to talk to you about uh, shutting the door to the enemy. And this is a two-part series. This is the first of two parts. Uh, this summer, how many of you heard the, the whole kingdom message that I did about opening up the door, that there is a doorway in heaven, that when Jesus came and, um, and his, his uh, uh, body was torn, it actually tore a veil and a doorway for us to enter into uh, heaven, that the realm of heaven is now available and it is a door of access to the excess of heaven. And, and that's really what we do even in EJS and that's what we do here as, a, as an equipping center is we um, equip the body to access heaven so that they can then transform the earth. Amen? And so <clears throat> this morning I just wanted to talk to you about uh, really uh, that door of the enemy because a lot of us know how to go to heaven. We know how to access heaven, but many of us don't understand that there are two doors and one door. We need to keep the, the door to the enemy shut because I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of losing my stuff. You know, I work really hard for my things and um, I'm tired of the thief and uh, coming in to steal from me. I'm tired of the thief coming in and stealing from my health. I'm tired of the enemy coming in and stealing in my relationships and with my children. So I think as body of Christ, not only do we need to know how to access the heavenly realm and bring heaven to the earth, but we need to know how to keep that door shut. Amen. All right, so the Lord began to show me about the creative imprint that he has placed in you, that, that before the beginning of time, he actually had you in his mind and in his heart. And what he really wants to see is the fullness of that creation come forth. And how that happens is that we all open our arms wide and completely surrender our lives so that the fullness of his love can fill us. So that the expression of our emotions can come forth. So that the expression of our imagination can come forth. All of this being Christ-centric and the fullness of Christ in us, which is the fullness of his love. And that's the fullness also of our minds being filled with the love of God so that everything that we see, everything that we express in creativity is out of the expression of heaven. And so it's that co-laboring. And, and as I was really praying about this message, <clears throat> I felt like the Lord was talking to me about how to be fearless. Do you know that when you are filled with the love of God, you are fearless? Have you, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and the love of God, you are fearless. Have you ever seen a drunk man? Do you know how bold drunk people are? Like, they'll do stuff that they would never do if they weren't drunk. And Paul said, I don't want you to be drunk with wine, but I want you to be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with love, perfect love casts out all fear, and we become a fearless generation. I actually had a dream last night that a huge tsunami came and hit Austin. And, <clears throat> and there were people that were trapped in prisons and the flood of this tsunami was coming and they were going to be drowned in these prison cells. And we began to strategize how we're going to go and rescue them out of these prison cells. There was nothing about, the, the situation was completely fearsome. I mean, it was just terrifying, but we didn't have any fear. We were filled with the love of God and we knew that we had the way to set the captives free. Amen. 
And so the Lord um, wanted me to tell you that he created you to win. He created us to be victorious in him. There's no losing in, 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 in the body of Christ. There's no losing with the gospel. The gospel is a winning strategy. And so with any kind of game that you play, there's a couple of things that have to happen. It is an, a good offense and a good defense. And so the Lord has given us these two strategies because he's told us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But we wrestle against these demons, these spiritual principalities and powers in heavenly places. So we also told us that we have access to the realms of heaven and how to, how to pray, how to intercede, how to go there and have an abundant life in God and how to follow and submit to the will of God. Jesus clearly told us all throughout his word. He said, let me tell you about the offense and the defense. Let me tell you about what to do and what not to do. It's just like with my kids. You know, it's like, here's, here's really the thing when you're raising them. You're like, okay, here are the things you need to do to have an abundant life. Here are the things that you need to do to be very careful and to watch that you won't trip and fall. You know, I'm, I'm, I've raised all of my kids except uh, Samuel's a teenager. And so with teenagers, we all know what happens with teenagers is that there is a landmine out there. And so as parents, what we continually do is say, watch out for this. You don't want to step on that landmine and you don't want to step on that landmine. So a good father tells us what we, what we should do and what we shouldn't do in order to be prosperous. Jesus said this in Revelation 4.1, after these things looked, I saw a door that was open in heaven. And, a, and, and, the, and uh, the voice that came through that door said, come up here, I want to show you the things that must come after this. And so there's a, there's a show me that's happening to you. There is a voice every single day that says, come up here, I want to show you. And I'll tell you, this once a week prayer thing that a lot of people have going on <clears throat> is actually not going to work anymore. This is daily bread. This is daily bread. If you knew that if you spent every morning with the Lord, that the rest of your day would be filled with favor and blessings that you could not produce on your own and that because of what you're hearing from heaven, that that very thing would create a winning in your life, that you knew that if you did this, then the result would be that you would win. Would you do it? It is an absolute promise from the Father. He said it over and over and over. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But there are these two doors, one that we open and one that we shut. It says in Revelation 3, it was the one church, you know, the seven churches. He's talking to the seven churches. And some of those churches, I would have been like, man, that's, that's tough. Because he, he says, here, I see all these things that you're doing, but I have this against you. I mean, I just don't want to hear that from the Lord, you know? 
I mean, you know, we're all trying to do the best that we can, but he very clearly says to some of these churches, this is what I have against you. And, 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 but there was this one church where he said, this, you guys are doing it right. And, and this is the blessings of the Lord. You're walking in the blessings of the Lord. You are tapping into the fullness. And, and he said, those of you that know how to open what no man can shut and shut what no man can open, I have given you this key so that you will have a winning strategy for your life. That you'll be able to open this door and go into the heavenlies. And you will be able to shut the mouth of the enemy and the, and the practices of the demonic so that he can't take a hold of your life. And so it's, it's, it's both. It's not either and, but it's both. And so opening and shutting um, is important. So I want to talk to you about the devil's door. <clears throat> um, I think we all can agree that we're living in the last days where evil is called good and good is called evil, right? And there are certain attributes that Jesus tells us about the last days. Not only does he tell us the condition of the nations that we'll see in the land, but he also tells us the condition of man that we're going to see in the land. And he's like, when you begin to see these things, you know, you know that time is short, so you need to be on your game. Or as I saw somebody who wore a shirt the other day that said, Jesus is coming back soon, look busy. <laughs> Which actually isn't, you know, theologically correct, but anyway, didn't want to. <laughs> We're supposed to rest. Uh, <clears throat> but here's the thing that Jesus said, that in this day, even the most elect will be deceived. And, you know, that scares me so much because I'm looking at the elect, you know? And I'm like, God... Um, how can the most elect be deceived? How can those that are the most, you know, I don't know, elect, that means that we're the leaders in the body of Christ, that we're the ones who are running hard after God. How can we be deceived? And um, so I wanted to take you back to the garden because Paul compared the vulnerability of deception to Eve in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3. He said this, as the serpent deceived Eve, your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, <clears throat> I find it very interesting. How many of you would agree that the church isn't quite where it needs to be? Raise your hand if you think that's true. Okay. Well, guess what? Paul thought that was true then as well. He spent most of the epistles going, all right. <clears throat> you're doing it wrong again. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus was basically just there. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't like that generation hadn't even passed away and it's like, hey, ho, you're, you're moving away from the simplicity that is in Christ. You guys are not, okay, let's review what the gospel is again, okay? And so when we see that today, I think it could give us such great hope, you know? It's like, okay, well, we're not quite doing it right, but at least we know we're in good company, right? <laughs> um, so so uh, with Adam and Eve, let's go back to the garden. 
So really, deception led Eve into disobedience. But with Adam, it was actually willful disobedience. And there's two different conditions. There's the condition of Adam, and there's condition of Eve in the church that'll lead to deception. The condition of Adam is really a willful disobedience. And I've actually seen this in the body of Christ, and it's heartbreaking when you see a willful disobedience. They know what they're doing, and they do it anyway. And this disobedience is the very thing that leads them into deception. Because what they'll do is they try to rationalize their disobedience with the word. And that rationalization and that disobedience opens up the door to the enemy. And the enemy comes in and it begins to take them down a road of deception because that disobedience will lead to more disobedience, will lead to more deception, which will lead to more deception. And it's just a, it's a slippery slope. And what I found is that a lot of these people that I've seen do this really have the pride of life in their hearts. And they're very difficult to bring correction to because they're so filled with the desire and the lust of the flesh. And they believe that they know more than God. Then you have the condition of Eve. And really, I believe this is the majority of the disobedient, like Eve, that were um, deceived through ignorance. And this is really where I want to focus today. So let's really look at Eve and let's look at what happened. So there's Eve hanging out, right? She's got the perfect environment, the perfect dad, right? She didn't suffer from trauma. Her dad was not abusive to her. She did not experience any pain. She didn't experience sin. She was, the, the temperature was always like California crazy, 70 degrees, you know, no humidity. Her hair always looked great, right? Come on, girls. Eve had it all going for her. She had the perfect husband, you know, a guy that, you know, was, you know, naming everything and I'm going to name this. And so it was, you know, living basically a supernatural life, you know, um, completely naked all the time. Now that's fun. Woo! <laughs> yes, Jeremy, I just said that. <laughs> My son's like, oh, alaka. Anyway, so here she is, and she runs into this snake, right, this serpent. And, um, and the Lord had told her prior to her conversation with the serpent, um, he said, okay, here's the deal. Of every tree, you may freely, say freely, eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You see, here's the thing about God's goodness. God's goodness provides for us everything that we need in life and godliness. Everything. There is such an abundance in his house and in his heart and in his mind that even the things that we can perceive with our finite, small human mind of the things that he has prepared for us, they are but a shadow of the vastness of the blessings that he has. And so he says to Eve and Adam, I'm going to give you all of this, 
But there's this one thing that you can't have. You cannot freely eat of this one tree. And so the, the serpent comes along, and he's, he does this. <clears throat> of course, in the garden, right? He's got the do's and the don'ts. God's like, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. And he said, you're free to eat, but your freedom has limits. Your, your free will is to choose obedience. He's like, I'm going to give you freedom to choose. That's how much I love you, is that your obedience is what I desire. And so he set them up not to fail, but he set them up to win. Now, what happened? The enemy came in, and he highlighted what God told them they couldn't have. The snake said this, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And so what he did is he ignored the generosity and the blessings of God that God had, had provided an incredible abundance, a perfect environment, a sinless existence, and, and communion with him, that they were made in his likeness, and there was nothing that they lacked. And so what the serpent did is he came in and he said, but, but you do lack something. And he began to highlight the very thing that God said they couldn't have. And through doing that and implying that God withheld something from them, it caused Eve to begin to ponder in her mind if God was really good. He made God out to be a taker and not a giver. And, you know, I, this reminds me really of the tithe in a lot of ways. Because, and I mean, that just, God has given us 100%. And he said you can keep 90%. You can keep all of this and even in all of this. When I'm going to bless all of this, but this is the one thing that I require. And we're like focused on the one thing. We're like, oh, but I really want to keep that one thing. I want to keep the 10%. Like the 10% is really going to make any difference after all. You know, come on. So, I mean, it's the same thing. We get focused. The enemy tries to get us focused on that one thing. No, God's taking this, but I want it all, you know? But it's, but it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. But in this obedience to the 90%, you're actually going to receive an incredible inheritance. So really, after getting Eve to consider this reasoning, it was really easy after that point to get her to rebel against God's authority. When the enemy, if the enemy can get you reasoning and debating about the goodness of God and pointing to the things that you're not allowed to have and focusing on that, that's really where self-will and rebellion will enter in. So self-will and rebellion were her next step, and it opened the door to the enemy, to spiritual death, and then, then it, you, you guys know the rest of the story. In Romans 5.12, Paul writes this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread through all men because all sinned. So disobedience is the thing that opens the door to the enemy. 
James said this, do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father. Everything that is good and perfect comes from the hand of God. The 90%, you know? So obedience and disobedience. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Who was the perfect one? <clears throat> it's, the word says that he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He suffered at the cross even when he didn't want to do it. He said, but not my will, your will. And it was that selflessness and that self-sacrifice where he said, listen, this is going to hurt so much, God, but I am, I am a perfect son. And he got tempted in the same way that Eve was tempted, that Adam was tempted. But he said, according to the will of the Lord, he kept repeating that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from heaven. And it was the place that if we will take that and live that same way, then there will never be a cause for failure in our lives. Because, and I loved what um, Dr. Sharon Stone said yesterday. She said, listen, this isn't about discipline, disciplining ourselves not to sin, but this is about um, partaking in the abundance of heaven and the Holy Spirit that we're so filled with love that there's nothing lacking in us so we don't feel a need to do the other. <clears throat> you know, uh, the word said that Satan had nothing in Jesus, that he truly was a perfect symbol of self-denial and obedience. You know, if we, if we do not lay down our lives, if we do not say, it is no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me, then, um, then we'll be uh, fulfilling our own will, and then we'll use the scripture to rationalize it as well. You see, disobedience says, I know more than God. Isn't that true? You know, I was, um, I've been pondering um, social media for about um, a couple of months now. And I'm really seeing um, and have heard from several business owners that are seeing something happening in a generation. And, um, and, and one of the things that some of these business owners have talked to me about is the difficulty in keeping uh, these millennials and this other generation. What is this new generation called? Next, X, something, Y, Z, I don't know, anyway. Um, so those that are, that are in their 20s and 30s, and one of the things that I have seen <clears throat> is like a, like a twisted uh, perception of self. And, 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 I, and I, I look at uh, social media and, and, and how it plays. And it, it, I kept thinking it's doing something to their psyche. It's like there's an imprint that's happening where their perception of themselves is, is twisted. And, and um, so I, I was researching it and I found that the University of Ohio actually did a study on this and they did a study on 800 men and what they found is that when they lived their lives through selfies and likes, come on, I mean, that's where we basically are, that it led to a false perception, a false identity and persona. And they said that the, that the, um, 
that when they spent a lot of time on Facebook, they tended to be uh, three things, narcissistic, meaning they had an inflated self-image, they lacked empathy, and they had impulsive behavior. And so this was the result of, of these things. And so um, I had, so I've seen these people, and I've experienced it as a leader in the church. I've experienced um, people that, that have a perception that they're here, but in reality, they're here. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being here, unless, of course, you think you're here. And so there's a little bit of a schism there, and so it makes it really hard to, to, uh, to lead someone like that because they already think they're there. If you think you're there, then you're not going to be able to get there, and you're like, hey, you know what, <laughs> whatever. You know, I had 300 likes on that quote that I had on Facebook the other day. You're like, okay, good luck with that on your next job. Come on, everybody in business knows what I'm talking about. Basically, the, the Lord said um, that in these last days that, that we will be lovers of ourselves, And I really believe that the enemy has taken the social media and created this reality in a whole generation. And, and, and that's why we really need to be mindful about what social media can be used for. It can be used for the gospel and not for... Uh, selfies. Listen, okay, let me rephrase that. There's nothing wrong with posting pictures of yourself. I mean, every picture I've ever taken of my grandkids is on social media. You're welcome. (laughs) They're so cute. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) By the way, when we go to uh, lunch this afternoon, um, Jeremy and Ashley are leaving me with the four children, ages from... uh, five to, you know, new. And so anybody that wants to hold one of them, I don't have like Samuel or John, please help me. (laughs) Yeah, hand sanitizer, right. No, no. I'll just pray over him. Anyway, um, okay, so back to the message. Uh, Disobedience is at the door that leads to deception. God told Cain, Um, when his sacrifice was not accepted, he said, listen, sin is knocking at the door, but I, I, I have given you the power to rule over it. You know, when you're staring at Jesus, you're becoming like Jesus, um, just as Sheila was testifying. What was it that caused her to get set free from the law? She began to stare at Jesus. What does the word say? That if you are submitted to the Holy Spirit, then you are not under the law. That's simple. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So here's the deal. Cain allowed offense, hatred, and betrayal to enter in. Let me just tell you something. Jesus learned perfect obedience through suffering. Here's the deal. You're going to be offended. You're going to be betrayed, just like he was betrayed. When you get betrayed or you get offended, you just mark it up to, I am partnering in the sufferings of Christ. Praise the Lord. Okay, there's a stripe on my back. I'm going to choose to worship the Lord through this. And I'll guarantee you that seed will not get in in your heart. I have a list actually of all of the people that are mad at me. And every day I just go, you know what, God, 
as my old pastor said, I wake up every morning just wanting to bless people, and by the end of the day, somebody's mad at me, and you're like, ah. But here's the thing. I'm just praying. I'm just worshiping the Lord and thanking God for every single person in my life. All right, the first commandment in the Satanic Bible is this. Do what thou will. This is the antithesis of Jesus and what he came to do and how he came to show us how to live. Samuel told Saul in 1 Samuel, he said this, has the Lord as great, okay, I think I may have spelled that wrong. Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And then he goes on to say, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness, which means presumption, is as iniquity and idolatry. Guys, I mean, he's saying here that rebellion is witchcraft. And he's saying that presumption is idolatry and iniquity. Come on. He's saying you can't presume upon the Lord. You can't presume upon the will of the Lord. But you have to go to God and say, I want to be in your will. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. And guys, if you, don't, if you don't know how to hear the voice of the Lord, if you don't know how to see his face, if you don't know how to have visions and dreams, get an EJS. I'm telling you, in 11 weeks, your life will be completely transformed and changed. The word says that rebellion is witchcraft. So the result of witchcraft is an open door to the demonic realm. And you're inviting through rebellion and through disobedience, you basically are inviting the enemy, Satan, to come dance on your head and to take your stuff. If you choose self-will, then you will be operating in the ministry of the Antichrist. Again, the number one commandment in the Satanic Bible, do as thou will. Please yourself. It's all about self. It's all about self. It's all about you. As long as you're happy, You know, Jesus, when he came, what he did is he put legal laws in place. The laws of nature that are in place to manage the spirit realm. They're already there. He's already done everything. He did everything at the cross. The Father put and set everything by his word in place. And under these divine laws, Satan's authority is limited to the realm of darkness. He cannot come near you disobedience to God's direct authority and to his delegated authority opens a door to legal access in your life. So this morning, I really feel like 
that there are places in our own lives where the Holy Spirit wants to show us where he said, go, and we didn't go. Or he said, do this, and we didn't do it. Or he said, don't do this, and we did it anyway. Tyler, can you put on some worship? So I really want to deal with this this morning. I really feel the fire of God on this. That a lot of you have, it's like you're asking the question, how, how is it that I keep having all of this difficulty? How is it that it's like the enemy has access to me? How is that possible? And so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit this morning to show us if there's anything in our lives that we need to repent from. Because repentance will take you right back into the heart of God. So let's stand. And after we're finished, um, the prayer team's going to come up. And if you have sickness in your body, um, come up. And if you have received a partial healing, but you need a full healing, come up because we want to uh, get you healed and and get you on your way. Well, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that brings to remembrance what we need to know. So Holy Spirit, this morning, would you show us if there's anything that we've done? God, would you take inventory if there's anything, any place in us where we've been disobedient, God? Right now, would you just show us? Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you release your fire on that right now? So when he shows you, I just want you to repent. Just there by yourself. Just begin to, whatever it is, just repent and say, forgive me, God. Forgive me, Father. And he'll come like a mighty rushing wind. And he'll cleanse that place. And he'll bring you right back into that place. That door will be shut. So, Father, I do. I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your blessings. Holy Spirit, we do. We just repent of every place in our lives where we have been disobedient, God. Where you have said to us, Father, um, to go or not to go. Father, I, I pray that you would forgive us for disobeying the delegated authority that you've placed in our lives. God, even when that authority has been like a Saul, has been bad, Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to submit, Father, to not just you, God, but your delegated authority in the earth, Father. Would you create in your body a bowing, Lord, that we would bow before you, God, that we would get under the submitted authority that you have put over us, Father. And help us, Lord. Help us. Give us the grace and the strength, Father, to honor and bless in the places that you've put us. We thank you, Lord, this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that this door is getting shut. This door is getting shut today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.